0: Turn to read this morning in your Bible at Judges chapter seven again. Reading only verses one through eight as we begin to try to work our way through this chapter. I read again verses one through eight of chapter seven. Then Jerubbaal, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the spring of Harod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moree in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the midianites into their hands lest Israel vault themselves against me saying mine own hand hath saved me Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people saying whosoever is fearful and afraid Let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people 20 and 2,000. There remained 10,000. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down under the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be, that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people under the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Every one that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that bowed down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you. And deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go every man unto his place. So the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man unto his tent, and retained those three hundred men. And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. Turn with me again, please, in your hymn book number 721 and stand with me, please, and sing together 721. I am a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb, and shall I fear to own his cause, or bless to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies? On flowery beds of ease While others fall to win the prize And sail the bloody seas Are there no foes for me to face Must I not stem the flood is this my world a friend of grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil. Endure the pain supported by thy word Thy saints in all this glorious war Shall conquer though they die They see the triumph from afar And seize it with their eyes when that illustrious they shall rise and all thy army shine in roads of victory through the skies the glory shall be thine if they can be seated Cowards Go Home is the title of the message, if title you must have. We had begun on last week to open to our hearts this seventh chapter of the record of Israel's judges. We found in that very first verse Lessons to our hearts. We saw a lesson on the importance. Of Israel pitching. And we made much of that word. The importance of Israel pitching. Their tents. And their hearts. In battle readiness. And then we saw a lesson From the fact that their place of pitching was set beside a spring. What a wonderful and precious thought it is. As this record opens to us, it is not without significance there in that first verse that the Holy Spirit tells us also That Gideon and all the people rose up early. As Matthew Henry says. He says they rose up early. Gideon rose up early and his heart was upon his business. And there was no time to dally. A good word from Brother Henry. You'll remember, I'm sure, that account given to us in 1 Samuel and chapter 5. I had never before particularly noticed this aspect of that account until I read it again a couple of weeks ago. When in this record in 1 Samuel 2 Samuel, sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 5, there was another captain over Israel's host, David. And it is said of David, it is said in that record rather, verse 22 of chapter 5, 2 Samuel, and the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. Verse 24, And let it be, when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees that then, 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 thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. When it was time, When it was time. The Lord said no you move around to the back side. And you watch. And there will be a stirring in the tops of the mulberry tree. And when you see that. You bestir thyself. There is a time to be bestirred. And when it's time. There's no excuse for sloth. There's no excuse will be acceptable before the Lord for delay, for hesitation, for self-indulging comforts and self-pleasing laziness. There will be no excuse. Gideon rose up early. Because the Midianites were on the north side of them. (laughs) I'll leave you that for contemplation. But now this morning, in keeping with my plan of a simple verse-by-verse exposition of this chapter, we come to this second verse and find... These shocking words. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many. Hmm. Gideon is encamped on a mountain with a force of only 32,000 Volunteers, volunteers, mustered without weaponry, without experience, without training, while just within sight, only a short way off in the valley, Midian has amassed their forces with over a hundred and thirty five thousand trained, brutal, and well equipped men of war. And now just here, in the midst of this scene, God speaks. Surely this is the need of Gideon's heart just now, for God to speak again. It was frightening if I could carry your mind back in the record for just a moment. It was frightening, no doubt, when the Lord angel first came and spoke to poor Gideon in his despair there in the press, And I think that when I dealt with that portion, I tried. I tried, probably failing, but I tried to bring that out. How shocking that must have been to him. When this angel appeared, he's down in his wine press, hid away, so he thinks. And this angel appears, and no doubt that must have been frightening for Gideon. It was frightening, no doubt when he was instructed to destroy his father's altar and slaughter his seven-year bullock. Surely that must have been frightening. It was frightening, I'm sure. When an inflamed mob showed up at his father's door the next morning with blood in their eyes, Murder in their hearts. And Gideon in their sights. That must have been surely frightening. It must have been scary. I'm sure. When he stepped forth and blew that trumpet. In chapter 6 and verse 34. Knowing that blowing that trumpet. Was a public declaration of war. On an enemy six times his size. And a thousand times better prepared. It must have been frightening. It must have been scary. But of all the fright. Of all of these former sprites. Of all of them combined. Nothing could have equaled the horror of the scene that lay before him right now. Here. In chapter 7, verse 1. Never has he more needed a comforting, confirming, reassuring word from God than what he needs right now. And what does our God say? The people that are with thee are too many. (laughs) Oh, what God is this that would say such a thing. We shall see. Well, well, has one commentator pointed out that God had granted Gideon previously great signs already to bolster his faith. So then now, now because he has received great signs and because he has had faith built in his heart by the Lord's operation, because of that now he will be required to exercise that faith By diminishing his confidence in flesh and forcing yet greater fruits of faith. I give you this lesson from this record. Our God does not give us victories in faith. Our God does not give us victories in faith to bring us to a place of self-comfort where faith may rest. Never to be needed again, but only to move us on to some larger mountain to climb Some greater war to wage. Some larger trial to embrace. The young saint, the new Christian. They quickly encounter some little thing or other. And by their ready and recent embrace of Christ. They find his grace sufficient. And they administer faith that given to them and they overcome it, pass through it. And they, as it were, wipe their brow and say, I'm glad we're through that. And the hope is that now all shall be well and there will be no more trouble. But we know better, don't we? I said to you, our God does not give us victories in our faith to bring us to a place of soft comfort where faith is no longer needed and we can simply sit back and rest, but rather he gives us victory in faith that we may move on to a larger mountain and exercise greater faith. Faith. Must be grown. Romans. Romans chapter 1. Paul had this to say. Romans chapter 1. And verse 16 and 17. Very familiar passage. He said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God. And salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first, also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Dr. Gill had a wonderful explanation of Paul's design and intent in that expression, from faith to faith. Dr. Gill says, it is faith in order to get a clearer vision of God. You just continue, continue, continue faith, built upon faith, built upon faith, that by it all you may get a clearer vision of God. I couldn't think of a greater description of Gideon's experience here. Oh, God has bolstered his faith in every one of these former crises. But now, now there lay before him this host. And he must exercise more faith. We don't go from faith. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he did not say we go from faith to comfort. We don't go from faith to leisure. We don't go from faith to ease. We go from faith to faith. From this faith to greater faith. To greater faith to greater faith. And this is a lesson that Gideon is learning well. Our God comes to Gideon, and Gideon is waiting to hear from him. Surely, surely God must speak as I stand here with this little crowd and looking at that. God surely will speak to me, and he did. And what did he say? He said, Gideon, there are too many people in your army. The Hebrew words translated here, too many, literally mean exceedingly abundantly full. (laughs) So the Lord says to Gideon, Gideon, your army is exceedingly abundantly too full. (laughs) Too many! says the Lord. Too many. Too many for what? We might ask. Lord, what are you thinking? Look at this, look at that. My army's too many. Too many for what? Too many to conquer that Midianite host? I don't think so. <laughs> Oh, that can't be what it's about. Whatever the Lord's talking about, it can't be that. It's not that we're too many to conquer that host. No, no. Too many to wage an effective war? Well, not at all. Not at all. That's not possible. In fact, if effective warfare is the object in our Lord's mind when he speaks, then ten times the number that he presently had would be preferred. So then why, in God's eyes, why is this army of Gideon too many? Well, simply put, it's too many for his purposes. (laughs) It's too many. For his purposes. Oh, well then that presses the question, what are his purposes? Well, you say, well, his purpose is, is to crush these Midianites. No, no, no. No, no. not just that. Not just that. Well, Well, you say his purpose must be to guarantee the victory to his people. No, no, no. No, 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 not that. No, not that. Then what? Then what? What is it about this army that's too many for his purpose? What is it then? Verse 2 again. Lest Israel vault themselves against me and say my hand has saved me so then I ask you and I answer the question what is it that this is too many well it's too many for God's purpose well then what is God's purpose I give it to you in a word it's his own glory it's not It's not just to destroy these Midianites. It's not just to give His people victory. It's not just to deliver His people. It's to His glory that He looks. That's His purpose. His purpose is that He be glorified. And there's just too many for that. Amen. (laughs) Oh, Isaiah 42 and verse 8 said, I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another. Neither my praise to graven images. God will not give his glory to any other image. And can I dare to say it to you? Not even to his own image. When it's in a human form. It's his glory. That's his purpose. There's too many. There's too many. There's too many Gideon. Too many. For my purposes. And my purposes are my glory. Too many for that. Oh Gideon. Gideon, says this Lord, Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, says this Lord, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, who art thou, O great mountain?" Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, "Grace, grace unto it!" Hallelujah. Hey, Zechariah says, "God is going to glorify Himself." The psalmist, get in, listen, listen to the psalmist, get in. Psalm 147, verse 10. He delighteth not in the strength of horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him. And in those that hope in his mercy. And Gideon surely qualifies him. When our Lord announces to him that the people are too many. Mm. Whoa, Second Chronicles chapter 32 verse 8 through 9. It was Hezekiah that tells Israel not to be afraid of the king of Syria. Listen, be strong and be and courageous. Be not afraid of the king of Syria, nor for all the multitude that's with him. With him is an arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves. <laughs> As did Gideon here. And the people rested themselves upon the words Of Hezekiah. King of Judah. (laughs) What words? Oh be strong. Be courageous. With them is the arm of flesh. But with us. Is the Lord God. And he's going to fight our battles. Could I just bring this down to our doors today? If you sometimes wonder, beloved saint, and I'm sure you have or you will. If you sometimes wonder why the Lord comes to your house and says, it's too many. Here's your answer. He may come by and say, it's too many comforts. It's too much ease. I need to reduce the numbers. He may come to your house and say it's too much money. It's too many dollars. I need to reduce the numbers. He may come to your house and say it's too much health. Too much health. I need to reduce that. If you ever wonder why, here's your answer. The Lord doesn't want you trusting in that and not fixed on His glory. Oh, Blessed Rogers in 1615 had this to say. Hard reading, the text is, but well worth it. Listen to what Roger said in 1615. So that the Lord, if he love us, seeth that there are no better ways to be taken with us for our good than to take away such liberties again from us And to let out our humors. Seeing they breed but a pleasure in us. Or to cross us with them. Lest they should steal away our hearts from him. And so we drive him to say of his benefits. We drive him to say of his benefits. As he did to this people. They are too many. Hmm. or else they will glory of their multitude and greatness. Even so, we cause the Lord to say of us, as to Saul, they have too much wealth, I must pluck some of it from them. They have had health too long, I must abridge them of it. They have had too many of my benefits too much ease and credit and countenance unless they should use them better I must, saith the Lord of necessity take some of them away. Hmm. And it is rarely seen says Rogers that even they are better by them than they are Without them. Therefore except God shall bestow upon us. A humble and wise heart. And bestow upon us well balanced with grace. To account of these things as they are. That is that they are transitory and flitting away. And to value the heavenly treasure of faith. And a godly life above all earthly riches. Unless he give us that spirit. Let us know that the Lord deals wiselier. I've never seen that word. I love that word. (laughs) I don't even know if it's a word, but he used it. He said, let us realize that the Lord deals wiselier with us than we are aware in dieting and shortening us. And we ourselves shall see it as clearly in time as these Israelites did that God hath done us no wrong in taking somewhat away which we had and denying us our desires. Oh, may our hearts learn this this point. God will trim the wick. So that the candle burns brighter. So then what must be done? The Lord has come and said it's too many. There are too many. Them that are with thee, the people, they are too many. So what's to be done? Well, (laughs) verse 3. Now therefore go to. Proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return. Depart early from Mount Gilead. Their return of the people, 20 and 2,000, remain 10,000. What's to be done if there are too many? Well, the law of God has already established a procedure for this. Because you see, way back in the book of Deuteronomy and chapter 20, the Lord had provided for just this situation. Chapter 20 and verse 1, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots, and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. In verse 8, and the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest his brethren's hearts faint as well as his. God had already made provision for just this scenario. When you go out and the crowd is bigger than you. And you know there's not a possibility. Don't be afraid. I'm going to fight with you. But here's something I want you to do. now: Announce to the people. If you're afraid. Then you need to go back home. Lest you be a discouragement. To the people around you. The word here in Judges chapter 7. And verse 3, the word fearful means frightened with dread. Faint hearted. We would say in a word got no stomach for this business. It's used only four times in the scriptures. Fearful. And the word Afraid. He says if they're afraid. Verse 3. That word literally means to tremble with terror. So if you're faint hearted, you just don't have the stomach for this, and your knees are starting to knock together and you're afraid, then here's what you need to do. Two things, he says. Return. Verse 3. Return. And depart. Return literally means to retreat. It actually, the Hebrew word means to go back around. You find yourself at the back. You, you just work your way around. And the concept of going around is very distinct in that Hebrew word. You go around this crowd and return. And then the word depart means to skip. Literally it means to be skipping early. (laughs) The word clearly implies that those who want to go backward need to retreat early and do it at a pace that will not hinder or discourage others. In other words, if I could put it in our Georgia English, you need to get out of here and get out of here fast. (laughs) And that's literal. That's Hebrew literal. Now notice with me. Notice something interesting. These, in verse 3, 22,000 that went back had come quickly at the trumpet's call, and had come voluntarily at the proposed summons. But when the enemy was finally within sight, and an occasion was offered, their hearts fainted, and they changed their minds, and they went back. Now, did you follow that sequence? Roger said, here, this is to be considered. When Gideon, their captain, thought meat for war, thought he thought them meat for war, and God had called them also to that place and to duty, given them the gifts for that purpose, though they were timorous. In that they, their faint heartedness and sloth, they did not employ their gifts, and so the shame and gift and guilt was theirs. Roger said, Oh, it is true that there are many persons, 22,000 out of the original 32. There are many persons who go in the light of men for good yet the Lord doth not account so of them but accept them but exempt them from his militant church even as he shut out a great many of these soldiers as faint and unfit for war when they should come to fight with their enemies. Whom yet Gideon thought meet persons for it and yet we know we are much easier deceived in judging about them than he is look we therefore to it in a thing by infinite degrees more precious how God judgeth us and hang we not upon the opinion of men For he is not allowed whom men praise, but whom God praises. And therefore we are not to account of all that are among us professing the gospel. Listen now. We are not to account of all that are among us professing the gospel. No, though they be not branded with notorious sins. We dare not count them to be found hearted and good Christians, though we know no other by them, till God make them manifest as he did these in this story. Is it for us to judge before the time? But howsoever men judge such as fear God and depart from evil. Now listen to this as the odds between the faint-hearted and the valiant soldiers was great. 22,000, verses 10. As the odds between the faint-hearted and the valiant soldiers was great, even three to one, and yet all went about the service of God in outward show, so great disproportion there is among such as worship God. Between the lukewarm. Indifferent sort of Christians. And the fervent hearty zealous worshippers. And then he says finally in closing. Oh he that dismissed these white livered souls. He that dismissed these white-livered soldiers from the army of Gideon and only accepted the service of these 300 whom he fitted for the purpose with faith and resolution will also exclude all hollow-hearted, lukewarm, temporizing Christians from having a part among them that are his. Mm. White-livered, hollow-hearted. I wonder how well that phrase describes a multitude of members of Baptist churches this morning. White-livered, hollow-hearted. So the call went out. If you're scared, go home. Oh, far too many in our day. Can I say it? Far too many have jumped up in the past 50 plus years at the first sounding of the gospel trumpet they heard Gideon's trumpet. Chapter 6. And here they come. Far too many have jumped up in the past 50 years at the first sounding of the gospel trumpet and enlisted themselves in the ranks of God's army. Only to turn back at the first offer of a retreat. Oh, we've made it too easy. With an Arminian message and an easy believism gospel. We've made it too easy to muster in to God's church only to turn, heel and run at the first suggestion of a relapse to the comforts of fleshly ease. How frightful are the words of Matthew Henry when he said, One would have thought that there would be scarcely one Israelite to be found That against such an enemy as the Midianites and under such a leader as Gideon would own himself fearful. He said it you would have thought there wouldn't have been a single man that would have responded to this call in verse 3. And yet above two parts out of three took advantage of this proclamation and filed off. When they saw the strength of the enemy and their own weakness. Not considering the assurances of divine presence which their general had received of the Lord and it's likely delivered unto them. Some think the oppression they have, they had under so, been under for so long had broken their spirits and others more probably that consciousness of their own guilt had deprived them of their courage. And then he makes this blessed statement. Sin Stared them in the face. And therefore they durst not look death in the face. Their guilt. Their compromise. You would have thought says Matthew Henry. There wouldn't have been one man. That would have turned tail and run. In the face of all God said and done to get him. And that enemy sitting there. But two out of three left. He said it was their sin. And then he makes this note. Fearful, faint-hearted people are not fit to be employed for God. And among those that are enlisted under the banner of Christ, there are more such than we think. Mm. Blessed Bush, I read a sermon Bush preached, and I cannot help, I don't know, I've never read, I don't know the man's character, nature, demonstration, but I have to believe he must have preached this to the top of his lungs when he preached. In that message he said the application of a rigid test is apt to make thinning work in the ranks of God's professed friends. One would have thought that against such an enemy as Midian and under such a leader as Gideon, no Israelite would have owned himself fearful to recant his duty. And yet, two parts out of three turned their backs on their country's standard when they saw the numbers and the strength of the enemy. Alas, if it should be found that the true and constant hearts enlisted under the banner of Christ Bear no larger proportion than this to the whole number who will not do well to fear and tremble for his own forgiveness. Christianity requires men. David's royal band of worthies was the type of the forces of the church. All valiant men and able to encounter with thousands. Doth but a foul word or a frown scare thee from Christ? <laughs> Doth the loss of a little land or silver disquiet thee? Doth but the sight of the Midianites in the violet strike thee with fear? Home then! Home to your work! You see why I said he wants to preach it to the top of his heart. <laughs> oh, are you frightened by these little things? These little things set you back and put you back, says Bush. Then go home. Home then. Home to your work. Thou art not for the conquering band of Christ. Thou canst not resolve to follow him through infamy, through prisons, racks, gibbets, flames. Depart to thine house and save thy life by thy loss. Home then. Just go home. Oh, may God help us. How many of us here may turn back Go home then. Go home and stay there. But now, in verse 4, only 10,000 remain. And what's to happen to these? We shall see. Turn with me in your hymn book, please. Stand with me. Sing together number 700 and 20. Mm-hmm. Stand up, my soul, shake off thy fears. Anger the gospel armor own. March to the gate of endless joy, where Jesus, thy great captain,'s gone. Hell and thy sins resist thy course But hell and sin are vanquished foes Thy Savior nailed them to the cross And song the triumph when he rose then let my soul march boldly on, press forward to the heavenly gates, their peace and joy eternal reign. And glittering roads o'er conquerors' way. There shall I wear a starry crown, And triumph in almighty grace. While all the armies of the skies join in my glorious leader's praise.